You're listening to To Trope or Not to Trope, we're your hosts, Kelly, Kristen, and Ray. Welcome to another installment of our Archetype series. An archetype in storytelling is like a metatrope that's been around so long that it's considered a basic component of story structure. So far, the archetypes we've covered include the hero, the mentor, the ally, and the herald. If any of those have caught your interest, I encourage you to jump back and listen to them, as even though each episode is understandable on its own, we sometimes reference things that we've already discussed. Now, moving on to the archetype of today's episode, the Threshold Guardian. The Threshold Guardian is basically a low-level antagonist. They're either preventing the hero from leaving their home or from entering a new realm. Specifically, the Guardian is supposed to test the hero's commitment to their quest. In this way, they represent the hero's inner resistance. This is their ready excuse. Now they can say, well, I couldn't get past the Guardian. Let's go home. At least we tried. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Just couldn't do it. But, of course, for the quest to continue, the hero has to get past the Guardian somehow. Maybe by making a bargain, defeating them in combat, or just by being friendly. The Guardian is also another one of those roles that can change into a different archetype. They might also be a mentor or an ally, or they might even start out as the Herald before settling into the Guardian role. It's all about their function in the story at a given moment. So, to start things off, I have a question for you two. Or, rather, I'm going to pose a scenario. Let's say... mm -hmm, Let's say (laughs) you're walking down the sidewalk, just strolling. It's a nice day, but it's kind of sunny and hot out. And that's why you're on your way to an ice cream shop that just opened up in a new part of town. You've heard they have great soft serve, waffle cones, cute mm-hmm. chocolate shaped like stars, totally Instagram worthy, the whole deal. And you got to get in on that. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> you can see the ice cream shop there in the distance on the other side of the river. Fortunately, there is a nice stone pedestrian bridge that leads across to the opposite bank. It's a very nice bridge. Looks like something out of, like, Narnia, you know? But, but, just as you're walking up to the bridge, a very large, very hairy troll steps in your way and says, this is his bridge, and nobody gets across without his say-so. Now, you can't just give up on your quest to get some of that heavenly soft serve from across the river and brag about it on Instagram, right? (laughs) You just can't. But this troll seems pretty serious about guarding his bridge. So, what do you do? I mean, you gotta try the obvious. Just be like, please, Mr. Troll, sir, can I cross the bridge? (laughs) You gotta start with that. Labyrinth style. (laughs) He's like, I mean, he's a bridge troll, so he's like, if you're gonna cross the bridge, you gotta pay the toll. Of course, because... Maybe he just wants a friend. Maybe he just wants a smile. Someone to be nice to him. I mean, I believe in Kelly's ability to befriend just about anybody. (laughs) I think I'm offended by that. (laughs) Kristen could do it, too. It would work, just not for you. I I think Kristen could do it if she knew what she was doing going into it. Like, if I think if I think if a troll just appeared out of nowhere, Kristen would be like, oh no. Like <laughs> what is there? I you could also bribe him with ice cream. Yeah, like, that's yeah. Be like, if you let me across, I'll bring you back some soft serve. Ooh. Okay. Okay. 
That's that's very good. And possibly befriend him into being an ally via the power of ice cream and being nice. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm like so antisocial though. I would probably try and find a way to like sneak around. Like just go just like go all the way around, maybe swim across the river. I don't know. Like you just... know, you're a good swimmer. You could do that. <laughs> End up like several miles downstream and have to walk soaking wet back to the ice cream shop. You'd get there and they'd be like, what happened? Don't ask. I mean, you could always be like all tricksy like too. And you could talk to the troll and be like, oh my gosh, this is such an Insta-worthy moment. Like I need to take a picture of you. And then be like, oh, are you sure you want your hair to look like that? Oh, no. And then you, like, give him a mirror, and while he's fixing his hair, you just walk past him. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Like, I... I would try to un- try to understand... I mean, it sounds like he needs money. Mm-hmm. So maybe, like, start up a conversation. Yeah, try to befriend him. But if he's... <laughs> antagonizing me um i would just try to understand i would try to glean more information um also if he's just if he's asking for a some kind of toll um that's not always fair for people who maybe or magical animals who can't pay that toll um so i would just kind and thoughtful (laughs) well i would i would do like the very aggressive like build another bridge right next to it (laughs) every day just like like, this is a free bridge (laughs) you'd probably attack me so i'd probably have to Um, learn how to fight or yes (laughs) um i don't think i'm skilled enough in this but uh, since i have an obsession with thieves wouldn't it be cool if i was like yeah Mm -hmm. sure i'll pay your toll and he like He's like, yeah, cool. He takes my money, and then I take like all of the rest of the money that he's kept. Pocket, pocket, like the bag that he has all the rest of the money. Yes, Yes. like in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. And roll up to the ice cream shop. Like everybody, your next cone's on me. (laughs) It would also depend on how much he's demanding. If he's like, oh my gosh, I need fifty cents for you to cross this bridge, I'd be like, yeah, okay. He, like, thinks it's, he thinks it's a Do lot. Do you take credit you're... cards? I don't have any cash on me. It's <laughs> like, I sure, but a it's a tiny button. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. And so, congratulations. We have all passed the bridge troll threshold guardian. So, here I portrayed the threshold guardian as a humanoid ish person character but like the herald the guardian role doesn't have to be filled by a person it can be filled by inanimate objects a literal brick wall can effectively guard a threshold most of the time or sometimes the hero faces trials think like entrance entrance exams to a prestigious school the hero has to succeed at the trial to enter the quote new world of the school or organization that they want to join Or just any little obstacle or inconvenience that could keep the hero from setting off on their journey. Have you two seen any good examples of creative non-character threshold guardians? 
a giant boulder in the Indiana Jones movies. That's a classic. (laughs) Yes. Large rock can squish you. Uh Also, like any fantasy book that just has the wall, you know, Uh Court of Thorns and Roses had that, from Blood and Ash had that, Mm. Game of Thrones had that. It's just (laughs) a wall. There's a wall. (laughs) Just a literal wall. I I love when it tests the hero tests the hero's um logic so a series mm. of puzzles or like mm. some way like it could be a literal wall but maybe there's um a clue or like some kind of rhyme or riddle or something that they have mm. to puzzle mm-hmm. out in order to get past it or um or if we're thinking uh, like yeah, this would count. Uh, Atlantis, like Disney's Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Leviathan oh, yeah. that guards the entrance to Atlantis, mm-hmm. and it's built by, or it's it was built machine. by Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's cool. There were a lot of like, there were a lot of things guarding Atlantis in that movie. Oh, yeah. Like, because after you got past yeah. like the giant lobster machine thing there was like just all these caves they had to go through yeah there was there was some crazy stuff <laughs> okay so i don't actually know if this counts i think it counts but like wouldn't the ball at the end of the princess diaries movie wouldn't that function as a threshold guardian because it's like it's when she truly commits to the whole princess thing for the rest of the series <laughs> but like it's also the climax of the movie which is interesting Mm-hmm. Because, like, usually threshold guardians are at the beginning, right? Yeah, this was okay. So, this is kind of like the next thing that I was going to get into, which is like when you talk about threshold guardians in the hero's journey, typically it's something early in the story, like because your hero is going on a long journey, of course. And this is mm-hmm. like, you know, just that early thing that tests their commitment or things like that. But obviously you can have threshold guardians just kind of at any point, like in your story, mm-hmm. just anything that prevents them from getting from one point to the next point. Mm-hmm. Um but like I think it changes the story a little bit. Like what what do you guys think about differences between your early game threshold guardians versus guardians that appear later in the story? I think they'd have to like ramp up in difficulty. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think at least that, like, because like theoretically, toward the end of your story, your hero is supposed to have grown. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And like each threshold guardian would represent the hero basically like leveling up and skills mm-hmm. or abilities <laughs> or self-confidence <laughs> or commitment or whatever they need to uh-huh. gain. Yeah, they would test like different things, I think. Mm-hmm. Because like if you just do yeah. the same thing over and over again, that's not much of a story. Like that that might work for a video game if like the video game is fun enough, but like for like a story to have a good emotional arc it's like oh the later ones like the first ones like are probably just are like are you committed to your journey Mm. and then the later ones Mm -hmm. might do more to like like maybe exploit the hero's weaknesses and things like Mm -hmm. that rather than just like are you here (laughs) 
Like at that yeah. point, they're already there. They're already on the uh-huh. journey. Yeah, I, I think it would depend on the where you are in a story. So, kind of riffing off of what Ray was saying, yeah, of course, you know that first threshold guardian is testing the hero's reluctance, and then also mm-hmm. like giving them a reason why they should push push past that. Um, but then, as you go on. Um, within a story, like let's say you're going off of the three-act structure or the hero's journey, depending on where the threshold guardian would fall, it would then determine maybe like the tone or what the threshold guardian would be testing. So it could be if it's near the climax, like or the climax itself, perhaps, um, uh-huh. maybe it's, maybe it's just more pain. It's like a more painful, more internal mm-hmm. struggling type, type of challenge or mm-hmm. that the character would have to undergo. So yeah, I could totally see it being different. Like that can be the conflict itself. Like Princess Diaries itself is about Mia has to make a decision. So mm-hmm. like the ball mm-hmm. is like literally when she either like commits and enters like properly enters the world of being royalty <laughs> or does not do that. So that's like, yeah, that's like your big bad threshold guardian. And that's what the whole story is about. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will say, I think the one exception to like threshold guardians ramping up is when you have a like super simple threshold guardian, like right before the climax that mm-hmm. like basically is the final straw for the hero and just makes them give up and have that dark moment of the soul Mm. because it just like hits Mm. the right nerve like it's not actually about them learning anything it's just kind of flicks them Mm. into the like pit of despair yes like what if your journey just didn't mean anything and it just wasn't possible to accomplish Mm -hmm. your goal (laughs) i'm gonna go dark places with this one (laughs) (laughs) Or, yeah, or, like, learning, oh, you're not strong enough to do this thing, but then turning it around and realizing, oh, but I can ask my friends to help, or I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, like, like they solve it lots of different ways. Like, sometimes, like, I mean, we know in Lord of the Rings, like, uh, Shelob is guarding Mordor, basically, and, like, Mm -hmm. Frodo ends Mm -hmm. up getting you know trapped by the spider but like sam comes in and rescues him so like that's not yeah. frodo overcoming the spider except via the power of friendship you know <laughs> i've seen theories that like frodo and sam are two halves of one hero and i love mm. that concept <laughs> okay so commitment to their quest and like bringing out different Uh, solving the hero's weaknesses and like bringing out uh friendship helping a hero on their journey have we seen any other common functions of the threshold guardian or of the hero overcoming the threshold guardian like what Mm. storytelling opportunities does the guardian present i mean i think we kind of touched on this but like each threshold guardian develops a different piece of the hero and then all of those pieces of the hero come together at the end in the final boss battle mm-hmm. and it like makes a complete story mm-hmm. yeah they like learn things at each one mm-hmm. there's like there's one that's like kind of 
unique that I really like, but like sometimes it's like they're at the the evil villain's lair, right? And there are guards guarding the place. Mm-hmm. So your hero and the and their like their team or whatever have to disguise themselves as the guards to get into the evil villain's lair, which mm-hmm. like I really like it um uh like symbolically because like it's it shows them understanding their enemies roughly like that's su- what it supposedly represents is like oh they understand their enemy enough to like pass as one of them mm-hmm. in order to get on to the next phase. That's done so much. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's like Stormtroopers, and it's in, like, Wizard of Oz, and, like... It's in Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, yeah. That's, like, real classic. That's, like, those are yeah. your late game, like, trials <laughs> usually, too. Like... Yeah. Mm. But it is an interesting concept. I do still enjoy it. I also like when they the hero has to succeed enough as the enemy in order to um, get deeper into wherever they're trying to go. Mm -hmm. So like they have to act like a soldier or they have to act like um, the enemy. And in doing so, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, like you're saying symbolic of understanding the enemy, but they have to do it in order to survive or complete their task. Yeah. It's interesting too, because, uh, like again, rereading the lies of Lac Lamora, Locke mm-hmm. does this in a way where with anyone he'll like study <laughs> them and then learn their inner thoughts and then become like almost become that person, which is interesting. I mm-hmm. haven't taken that many acting classes. Um and I <laughs> feel like there's definitely a level of becoming a, a character, but um I don't know, just thinking about all of the lies that he has to tell himself and then believe them, like mm-hmm. for a split second, is really interesting. And for a hero to do that, um, I mean, I, it's definitely not as deep, but it could be in a certain way. And I think that's, I think that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think what Locke Lamora does is, that is like one of the deeper ways to do it because like he's... Mm-hmm this master of disguise kind of person which means he has a lot of characters that he can play at a given moment because like sometimes like sure he's pretending to be like a servant to get in somewhere other times he's pretending to be like a like wealthy businessman or something like that so he has to know enough about each of those different roles that he can just like take them on (laughs) And it's not even, and it's like, it's like that, like knowing things, but then also it's presenting himself in such a way where he's, he's walking like them and talk, like Mm -hmm. the accent is on point Mm -hmm. and people just overlook the fact that, I mean, he seems like a natural, like, oh Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely this person is from this part of town and is wealthy. Of course, he knows how to hold a (laughs) knife and do this and that. I also think it's interesting whenever um, the mentor can sometimes test um, mm. the hero by using oh. like a like a helper <laughs> of sorts. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? So, um, uh-huh. yeah, like um, maybe in was it? Oh no, no, in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, 
Mm. There, there is that helper of sorts that is at the very end, right? Willy Wonka, uh-huh. Willy Wonka, like basically says, uh, "Oh yeah, that guy." You know, uh-huh. I paid him basically to, um, to test the to the test you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They do that in Dune too with the box that um, what's his mm. face has to stick his hand in. <laughs> Paul. Yeah, Paul, Paul has yeah. to stick his hand in a box. Like, I don't yeah. know. Dune is Dune is kind of funny to me because like, yeah, you're you're like you're on Arrakis and this is House of Treaties and this is like, you know, all these like complicated names and your hero's name is just Paul. Paul. Like main character is Paul. His mother is Jessica. Like uh-huh. Okay. Yep. <laughs> sure. This is like a more meta aspect of the Threshold Guardian, but one thing that I like is that it can show a reader or like a watcher that your main character has problem solving abilities, basically, mm-hmm. so that you know it almost builds up suspense so that you know going into the end, like, oh, I think they can solve this, but I don't know mm-hmm. how they're going to do it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Sometimes your early like Threshold Guardians show off like the skills that your hero already has because like if you already have like an experienced i'm thinking of indiana jones like Mm -hmm. indiana jones is an experienced adventurer and you need to get that across in like really quickly like and you need to get across that he can use a whip like early on because that's like one of his things so like really early (laughs) in the movie when he is like you know be like surely like Around the time he's being chased by a boulder, like, and, like, robbing a, a temple, like, they tend to show, basically, all the things that you need to know about Indiana Jones thus far. Yep. Like, in order for the rest of the movie to progress. Because, like, if you didn't know that he was skilled as skilled with a whip, and then, like, later in the story he's using a whip, you're like, oh, he can just do that? Like, <laughs> Yep. Yeah, Threshold Guardians can be solid world building too, because it mm. shows you what's important to the world, basically. Mm. Yeah, you wouldn't, in like a modern contemporary story, you don't generally defeat your Threshold Guardians in combat, but that's very common in like fantasy stories. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, continuing to talk about different genres, like, this one's kind of a weird one to me because, like, I mean, what are the stereotypical genre threshold guardians? Like, I know in fantasy and fairy tales, like, we, we covered, like, your bridge trolls. Like, everybody knows what your bridge tr- bridge troll is. But, like, does does the romance genre even have a threshold guardian? Like, Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> there are two, actually. Ooh. I, so, like, you're... You can have threshold guardians, I think, for either side, depending on which point of view you're in and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth. But you have the current significant other, like either the one the protagonist needs to dump or the love love interest's significant other that the protagonist needs to be better than. Or you have the best friend who, from either side, tests one of the love interests to see if they're worthy. And you have to defeat them in combat in order to date your love interest. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Like that would be fun. It's interesting to me that romance has like more defined threshold guardians than anything other than fantasy. Mm-hmm. I guess well, you have like in horror, you have your like caretakers or whatever. Yeah, I I would think like 
I mean, we've already talked about the creepy old man in horror stories. Uh Like, they kind of herald the story. They're also kind of the guardian because they're there saying, like, don't go in there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think mystery might have something similar to horror. Like, people that tell the detective not to go poking their nose in business where it doesn't belong. Mm. Or, like, the maids who just, like, know everything, you know? (laughs) Yes, yeah. Hmm. In like a heist story, it's, um, I mean, to a certain extent, it's convincing people to join your team. Mm-hmm. And then also, yeah, obviously, yeah. locks, like impossible locks and uh-huh. the guards in a museum uh-huh. and uh-huh. Yeah. perhaps. Heists are yeah. full of threshold guardians. Yes. Like heists <laughs> are just all threshold guarding. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like also in lit fic. Like, a lot of times you end up with a threshold guardian of travel, which is interesting. Like, Ooh. the protagonist is confronted with a trip somewhere he doesn't want to go, and then he has mm. to decide if he's going to buy that plane ticket and face his hometown or his parents or his ex-girlfriend or whatever. Uh-huh. And once you get it, it's like, well, ticket's bought. Yep. We're committed. Exactly. <laughs> going, going back to horror, like, it's also interesting to me because... When I think threshold guardian, I think, oh, this is something that is guarding something that is of value or will eventually be a value to the to the hero. Like it's a mm-hmm. it's a good thing usually or perceived good thing. Um and then for horror, it's a genre in which things just keep getting worse for people. Mm. Mm. So even if you do like let's say buy that creepy old house. And you have the means to do that. And then um, you, or you convince the creepy old man, or yeah, creepy old man to let you, you, let you through mm-hmm. so that you could explore this weird, rickety old place. Um, <laughs> that doesn't end well for you. Like, you don't want to cross, you don't want to go into that house. You don't want to cross those threshold guardians. Yeah. You managed to cross, like, the first one, and then the rest of the story is spent trying to cross back out. (laughs) Exactly. The true threshold guardians. (laughs) (laughs) That's fascinating. Okay, I want to talk about a weird example, just because I think it's interesting. Yeah, so Alice in Wonderland, specifically Mm. the book, though, like, the movies kind of do it a bit, too. But, like, it's basically just a series of heralds and threshold guardians that Alice (laughs) just keeps running into as she keeps learning things about herself. Mm. Like, it never really ramps up to a big bad. Like, it's just she keeps going. Like, some Uh of them kind of turn into allies or mentors or tricksters, like, a little. (laughs) But mostly they just show up, like, present an (laughs) announcement or some minor obstacle and then disappear. Yeah. So, like, what do you guys think about, like, that kind of story structure? Mm. Oh, it reminds me of a fairy tale. Mm. Oh. I mean, sometimes that's not true because sometimes the threshold guardian does turn into an ally that accompanies on you, accompanies you on your quest. But um, I feel like with Alice in Wonderland, you're right. It doesn't ramp up. And for fairy tales, sometimes I feel like they're repetitive. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like it's not necessarily ramping up, that it's just a series mm-hmm. of tasks that people have to do in order yeah. to eventually yeah. get the princess or complete the quest. It's this very episodic thing where it's like at the beginning and the end, like not a whole lot has changed. You just kind of have like each encounter is kind of self-contained. Mm-hmm. 
because those characters like frequently don't turn up again in like yeah in Alice in Wonderland. You kind of have like the White Rabbit. She's like following that, and he turns up a couple places. And like I suppose there are a few <laughs> other characters that you see more than once, but there are some. It's just sort of like. Like, you can almost pick up, like, Alice in Wonderland and just read part of it, and it's just, yep. you, you you can understand it well well enough. <laughs> yeah. Just on its own. And, like, obviously the book wasn't meant to be, like, a story in the sense of stories. <laughs> More just making fun of popular culture or math. But, <laughs> you know. I wonder if you could do that. I haven't, I'm trying to think of like modern examples of books that do that and I can't. I mean, most I things. Satire. And satire? satire could pull it off because that's what Alice in Wonderland is. So, like, mm. something like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy does similar mm. things. I think, I think there are some like modern TV shows that more or less do that thing where like there isn't that much development from episode to episode but mm. like like they're they don't see like things try to do both they try to have like the episodic thing where mm-hmm. like you can like it's just kind of like a series of events but they try to also ramp up over the course of a season usually mm. yeah so they try and do both of those things but like the premise is kind of built on like for those types of stories that don't really go anywhere, the premise I think is kind of built on, do you enjoy being here? Cause like, it's not yeah. going to go anywhere else. Mm. It's like, are you enjoying this moment in like this kind of style tune in next week? We will have more of this style. <laughs> that makes <laughs> yeah. sense. I don't tend to like those in like longer book form because like, if I'm going to settle in and commit to reading something, I do kind of want an arc that like ramps up. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I don't really like like if I'm gonna binge something all the way through I don't always like the feeling of like starting and stopping always kind of in the same place like <laughs> that's I like it if the author is clever but most authors <laughs> are not as clever as they think they are myself included I'm sure <laughs> oh. can you have a story where the hero does not get past the threshold guardian sure no. because Oh, interesting. You first, um, Kelly. And you, Kelly. Okay. I was going to say, um, sure, at first, because um, mm. if you're looking at it in a meta way, then no, because you would have to, if it functions as a threshold guardian, then, um, then it would have to be doing what it's trying to do. But you can definitely have barriers for the hero that act as threshold guardians at first um Mm. that then that then are still testing them but instead of going past that threshold they then turn into another guardian and um it's kind of like they're they're swapping threshold guardians i don't know if that makes sense but like they go a different route Mm -hmm. they go a different direction Mm -hmm. from what they should be doing okay yeah, we were saying basically the same thing. Oh, um, okay. And you're just a much more positive <laughs> person than I am. Um, <laughs> like, you can't have a story where the hero doesn't get past any threshold guardian, because then you just have a failure of a hero and no conflict mm-hmm. to overcome. 
Like, Mm -hmm. I guess if you wanted to write a really depressing and disappointed, disappointing story, then like maybe, but I'm not going to read that. So, (laughs) you know, they have to, there has to be some kind of conflict that is overcome in order to move the story forward. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the one that you can maybe get away with, with this is like, if they can't overcome the threshold guardian, then the story is about like them Mm. kind of accepting their lot in life, like in making the best of like their life here, not in like the rest of the big world or something like that. Like Mm. you can make that their conflict, like the conflict that they wanted to go elsewhere and do big things, but like they can't. So now they have to make do with what they have already. Uh, so you're talking about some pieces of literary fiction. I see. Maybe. Like, I, I, like, I feel like, cause I've seen those things where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to get my wife back. Um, we're getting mm-hmm. divorced and then, um, tries to get their wife back, does not work. Mm-hmm. And then has to accept that this is their life and it's okay. Or mm-hmm. like spirals into a depression. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it may not, either of those. <laughs> it may not be like a clearly defined threshold guardian, but like even in those cases, you're going to have to have some kind of conflict after they like fail that one time that yeah. they have mm. to get past. Uh-huh. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Your story kind of has to like you still have to have other conflicts like I think so you would have like different guardians, but like if there's like the one that they don't get past or that they don't like the story that was coming to mind and I know that this doesn't work exactly is like um it's a wonderful life where like when he's a young man he wants to like get out of this town and go and travel the world and things like that and he never does that like he stays in his hometown and he decides to like work on like the the bank and like have a business there and try and build up the town and like do good things for people and things like that he decides that that is more important than Mm -hmm. the like his desire to travel the world that kind of thing so in that way he never gets beyond the threshold of his hometown but like obviously there are other conflicts in that story that he does face and overcome question like this is probably picking at too many hairs, but I'm curious. Would <laughs> Clarence the angel be a threshold guardian in that story? And then would the point be to not get past him, basically? <laughs> like, Yeah, kind of, because I don't know. The first thing he does is, like, make him rescue him. Like, stop him from committing suicide uh-huh. like by basically postponing that. Like, oh, you got to stop and rescue Clarence before you can do <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's like quite the function of the threshold guardian, like in a meta sense, but mm-hmm. that's an interesting aspect of it. I have no idea. Like, because, yeah, this one can get, I don't know. Like, this one gets weird when you start talking about like abstract threshold guardians, like the uh-huh. ones that are very mm-hmm. obvious, like in a physical place. Like, I would like to get to point b and this thing is in my way like there's a wall there's a troll like (laughs) him the enchanter (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. the other thing that i was thinking of is like you can have like this isn't one where like 
they don't get past the threshold guardian, but you can have a story that's like kind of like we mentioned with Princess Diaries, where the whole story is about like the threshold. So then it's like it happens at the end. Mm-hmm. Like you can have like mm-hmm. an escape story where it's like, oh, they're trapped in this place, and the entire point of the story is them like escaping and like that threshold is like at the climax where like maybe they get out maybe they don't i'm thinking of like the first season of the promised neverland that anime Mm -hmm. um i haven't seen beyond the first season i have heard that it is not good but like the the first season was good (laughs) that entire that entire story is built around like oh they have to escape this place like that's the entire thing (laughs) oh and like room room does that too Mm. Oh, so escape rooms. <laughs> Threshold <laughs> guardian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and that's the next thing too. Is like even if you define like a big bad threshold guardian, you frequently have like other like threshold mm. guardians within the like. Yep. It's uh-huh. just it's just you. You got to have conflicts. You have conflicts. That, yeah. that would prevent your hero from progressing to the next thing. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, given ju- how like vague and amorphous we just like <laughs> made this term, are there oh, any good. other thoughts on how to write this thing well? <laughs> Make sure that every guardian is related to something your hero needs to learn and is not just something that you thought was cool. Like, this is a problem I see with so many weak stories, that it's just a series of things that the author thought was cool that aren't really connected to each other and don't mean anything to the story and don't have any relevance to the end. Like, everything Mm -hmm. in a story has to connect somehow and build meaning. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's part of what makes it a story. That's more or less what I thought of as well. Because you can kind of... (laughs) I mean, in something like a video game, you can kind of get away with having a series of more or less unrelated obstacles if the game is just fun to play, like, and people just want to go from puzzle to puzzle, basically. Mm-hmm. But a story is supposed to be a story. It's supposed to have, like, an emotional impact and relate to other oh. things, and your main character is supposed to learn things. Like, it's supposed to have a point, and those tend to be more satisfying. <laughs> I just, the main thing that came to mind within this question was in, I don't remember if it's the first or second from Blood and Ash book, but like they're traveling through the blood forest and out of nowhere they have the RUSs, I forget what they called them in the oh, book. Oh yeah, that was in they the first one. unusual size and <laughs> yeah, like was the there was nothing one. before it, nothing uh-huh. after it, they never come up again. They're just like <laughs> this random attack for no reason uh-huh. because the author thought it would be cool to have RUSs in the blood forest, you know? <laughs> yep, yes, yes. <laughs> Because there are monsters in forests, Kristen, don't you know? It's just part of how it works. (laughs) Haven't you been in a forest before? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I need to third this. Um, Also, in in saying like, yeah, I agree, you should think about your character and it should be important to that character. Um, Also, talking about going back to maybe what I mentioned earlier, where as far as structure is concerned, if you are going to place a threshold guardian, what would help is if you outline. And I know that that's not everyone's cup of tea, but if you know that you're going to have a threshold 
guardian from the very beginning, like you have the inspiration, or maybe if you're a cancer and you're going along and you're like, oh yeah, and then this hero needs to, you know, this hero is reluctant and needs to undergo a series of tests. It might behoove you to then think about kind of like a how story is structured and then also thinking about what a threshold guardian would do to that story at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, but in a more, <laughs> in a way <laughs> where it's like, oh yeah, structure is important to some extent, even if, you know, even if you are more of a discovery writer, it's still mm-hmm. thinking about placement and where am How, I going with this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and making it have meaning. <laughs> yeah. Piggy, piggybacking off of that, like making sure your threshold guardians ramp up in intensity in like a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like you can't just have them all be the same level of skill to get past because that gets <laughs> boring and repetitive. And then you also can't go like a super easy threshold guardian to an impossible threshold guardian to a medium <laughs> threshold guardian and then back to an impossible. Like it just, it would be weird and it makes for an uneven story. And yeah. then I defeated him in hand to hand combat. And then I defeated him in hand to hand combat. And then I defeated the next one in hand to hand combat. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Rule of three. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I am truly a champion. <laughs> But, like, I think that especially goes for, like, mental puzzles. Like, I've seen a few Mm -hmm. stories where, like, they think the puzzles, because they're different, mean that you can do them all. (laughs) But, like, they require the same amount of effort Mm -hmm. from the hero each time. And so it just gets boring, even though they're different puzzles every time. Well, they're also the Mm -hmm. same type of thing. Like, Mm -hmm. so you could have a series, like, yeah, one of your guardians, you, you literally have to fight this person. Another one, it's like maybe like maybe he just wants friends and he's just cranky (laughs) so like that's a different tactic your hero would have to do different things with those two guardians yeah and that's our episode please do not listen anymore do not pass go do not collect two hundred dollars Go no further beyond this threshold and do not email us with your thoughts at totrope or not to trope at gmail.com. Do not follow us on social media at the lit nerds. We will be back in two weeks with another trope and back in a month with another archetype, but you should not continue to listen to us. We appreciate you listening this far, but you need to turn back now and never try to write fiction ever again. Okay? Bye!